0: hey what's up uh welcome back i'm glad you guys have tuned in for another episode of a truly candid podcast and i've been watching a movie a movie actually i've been watching a lot of movies but this one is the one i I first wanted to talk about um don't worry i got spider-man on deck and i know that's a little late but y'all y'all gotta understand i watch movies four five six seven eight times to pick up little things that's me the same way i watch episodes of tv shows that we talked about five six times but uh jordan peele's nope i a lot of y'all are just lost by this and and some of you have said i don't like it you know i didn't get it i this he lost me on this one nah this one's good it's good and we're gonna talk about why i think it's good on today's episode The movie is good. The end. No, I'm, I'm playing. Um, A lot of you have were, were saying like it, it missed me. I didn't get this one. I didn't like this one. I liked get out better. All right. So I just wanted to give you this. Preemptively here. Uh, get out was very straightforward. Black people were having their brains taken out and the brains were of older white people were transplanted into the black bodies, black bodies being used for white pleasure or just white survival. Right. That's what it was. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It was very clear cut. There was nothing for you to really think about. I mean, the plot twist was that the girl he was dating was actually a, you know, um, recruiting system for her parents and these these other people to to swap these black young men out you know um that was it all right so there's get out (laughs) us was a little different uh i don't even know how to really describe it to you guys so i'm gonna just say it like this just rock with me for a minute jordan peel presented us a mirror And told us that there was a story written on the mirror. So we had to look into the mirror. To read the story. Now, I say that and y'all like the hell the mirror, the story itself of us is a reflection of what we feel. Everyone that looks in the mirror is going to see something and feel something different. That's how I think he writes his stories to me. Because there were a lot of people that saw get out and didn't get that either, you know, about black bodies and, and white brains control, you know, whatever. Um, also, within us, man, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to watch that several times because at first I watch it and I'm just picking up the story. The second time I'm picking up the little nuances and things in there. And just let me let me harp on that for just a minute. All right, I'm not going to make this about us. I'm just going to talk about it. I like the fact that if you go through and watch us. There's all these other movies happening around us. What movies are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Remember they're at the boardwalk. There's all these little things going on. Uh, Her mom speaks about a movie being filmed over on the carousel, um, which is the Lost Boys, because at the time this happened, this is the 80s. The location that they're at. The Lost Boys was filmed at the same location the same year, technically, that this movie was taking place, along with Jaws when they walk out to the beach and there's some, you know, kids around a bonfire. That is the literal scene from Jaws. So I look at it and I say, really, in the 80s, you didn't really see much of black people in movies. So what I I see Jordan Peele doing is saying, yeah, there was there was shit happening for us, too, at this time, like we weren't in the movies (laughs) We weren't, you know, the the main character of all this going on. It was really just white America being affected. You know, Lost Boys, Jaws, didn't see a lot of black people. But what he did was he brought into the idea, the equation that while this was going on, we had things going on, too. Y'all had y'all stuff and we had ours. Us. (laughs) So this this was about us. Technically, this time, you know, and I know you got that part. That's easy. But just little things like that were things that I was picking up um, throughout the movie. And I'm not like I said, I'll have another episode about us. However, (laughs) there the theme of it pretty much was rising up and getting to live the life that you saw other people living and you couldn't live that so it's almost like being under a glass ceiling so to speak and you know i can see these people up here doing good and i want that life too but i'm subjugated to staying down here that's my take on it after several watches (laughs) um that's us and it, it took a little bit more as i just explained to you it was not just clearly off the top it really wasn't if you got it off the top kudos round of applause um I did not, and I'm I'm very cerebral when I watch movies. To be honest with you, I'm sorry for that word, but you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm very intentional in trying to find a meaning um, of the movie. I want to understand the, the where it was written from, how it was written, and what they're trying to explain or correlate. Now, nope, mm. definitely had to watch that a couple of times. Yep, I did. I watched it a couple of times. But I'll say this, man. Once I started piecing things together, it was another one. And I'm like, dang, he did it again. Other people are like, I don't see it. He did not. No, 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 no. Let me explain why. This first. Um, we have Otis Sr., and Otis Sr. owns this farm. And the farm is there. Um, and the purpose of his farm is horses. And he, Haywood Hollywood Horses, he takes these horses out and he contracts them out to Hollywood Studios for movies. In doing so, he's developed quite a name for himself. You know, um, now, while his horse farm isn't doing particularly well at this moment, it was and the, the history of his entire family comes from horses. Um, and his daughter will, will, will talk about that later. Um, he has two kids. He has Otis Jr., who's a horse handler, kind of quiet guy, very observant, understands the game, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, When it comes to handling animals, Otis Otis Jr. is really good. And then there's his daughter Emerald. Now, Emerald is a very bright personality. Um, She has an idea of what she wants to do, and it's not to continue in the family business of horse handling. And she says that kind of throughout the movie that the Horse handling thing is like her side job, and trying to make it big is her main job, right? So we have Angel, who who works at the Fry Electronics, you know, Fry's Electronics store. Um, I would call him a conspiracy theorist. He's an alien enthusiast who's more than happy to help out the family if they actually do have what he kind of thinks they're trying to capture. We'll talk about that whole setup. And then you have Antler. I ain't even gonna say his last name. It's, it's Antler. He's a director. Um, He comes in to help them capture footage. And I'm going to use help in quotation marks. We'll talk about this all in a minute here. But uh, also we have Ricky or Jupe Park. He's a child actor from Gordy's home. And uh, since we're talking about him, we'll go ahead and start with the whole Gordy's home thing. Since that's that's how the movie starts. He's a survivor of the Gordy massacre, I guess you can say. So it's a TV show a sitcom back in the day about a, a white mom, a white dad. And they have a daughter, but they adopted an Asian kid and they go out of space. And I don't know if one of them's is both of them are astronaut or one something else or whatever. But uh, I believe it's like a rocket scientist and an astronaut and they have a monkey and the monkey in the house. His name is Gordy. In this particular episode, they were talking about, or excuse me, they were celebrating Gordy's birthday, right? So as they opened the whole set up to this movie, we have Jordan Peele exposing us to the Gordy set, right? So as they open up and they start going through, you know, showing this flashback of of Gordy, pretty much, which wasn't a flashback that we knew at the time, right? It was the first scene of the movie. As they go through and they showed us the the Gordy home, balloons, you know, they're giving Gordy a birthday party and balloons rise up out of this box. Now, one of the balloons pops. It sets Gordy off, right? So on the set, Jordan Peele decides to black out that scene so you can hear the chaos going on, but you can't see it. And I like that because this whole movie is built on the idea of spectacle, right? But he's not allowing you to witness what's going on. I think that was just really ingenious. And I know y'all like, oh, why the hell does that matter? It does. And we'll get to that in a little bit. There's a lot that's, you know, we just have to set it up and we're going to talk about it because he set it up. Um, I don't know if y'all seen the movie or not. If you haven't, please stop and go see the movie. It's out on I'm going to say DVD. God, I'm dating myself. <laughs> it's out for, you know, watching it at home. I don't even know what to call it anymore. It's gotten so normal to watch it at home now. Um, but, yeah, you can, it's on Apple TVs, on all these, you know, networks that you can rent, you know, whatever. All right. So, with that being said, it absolutely just goes through and ravages the cast members. I'm talking about Gordy. And the reason why I say it and not he is because we find out that Gordy is played by a number of different chimpanzees. So who knows? <laughs> but this particular chimpanzee playing Gordy loses its shit when the balloon pops. And I mean, the, the monkey's running all over the place. He's killing people. Um, one of the cast members, can't quite tell who it was, was down behind the couch. And I like, once again, the fact that you can see you can hear what's happening but you can't really see it you see a foot and a monkey and a foot you know kind of kicking up and down as the monkey's doing something you can hear sounds you know of violence and pounding but you don't see it right so while Ricky's under the table cuz Ricky is run under the table he's watching the whole thing go down under the table and he's looking around and he's noticing that there are very very few people still in the stands they're hiding in the, in the audience seats. Um, his coworkers down and she's being just beaten by this monkey, presumably dead. The monkey stops, goes and sits on top of the couch. When the monkey sits on top of the couch, the monkey's looking around. And the woman that we thought was dead on the floor starts, you know, gurgling and trying to move a little bit, you know, and the monkey sees that and the monkey goes back down to make sure she's finished. And when that happens, out comes the guy who plays the father, which we don't know why he was hiding in the back, but he was, he was hiding and he comes out and he's trying to say, Gordy, no, like, stop, stop, stop. Well, Gordy takes some time to break him off a two-piece too. He tries to run around, the monkey meets him around the other side of the set, pow pow, gives him a two-piece, knocks him off too. Now, Ricky is sitting under the table, hiding under the, the you know, table, and he's breathing. And of course, you know, with any scary movie, you're like, God, you don't stop breathing so hard. And of course, the monkey hears him and he comes over. And what we expect is to be. Oh, man, he's about to die. He doesn't. The monkey offers him a fist bump. Right. And this fist bump is like, hey, this is our thing. I'm cool with you kind of thing. And as soon as he offers that fist bump, bow. The monkey shot. Nah, he thought he thought Jupe was gonna die. Ricky was gonna die. He he didn't. So now we go to the Hayward Farm, which is present day. We're hearing if if you're listening to the radio in the background, you're hearing reports about missing hikers. <laughs> you know, um, they're they're setting up the horses. OJ's doing his daily runs with the horses, putting him on the walker, letting them run around. The horses are the the theme of this particular section of the movie emerald is supposed to be on the farm and otis senior who's played by keith david he's like where's your sister at (laughs) you know and the sister is not there emerald is not there as they're sitting outside talking about getting things done and keeping their head above water like we got this this movie coming up here this will be more than enough to keep us above water for a while we hear like screaming but it's not like ground-level screaming. It's it's more along the lines of you're hearing screaming from above. And both Otis Sr., Otis Jr., and us watching, because I was stupid enough to try and look up to at the top of the screen to see if they was going to show something, <laughs> Um, you hear it. And they all look up, you know, including the people in the audience we look up to, you know, trying to see what's going on. You can hear it. It's not loud enough that you know what it is, but it's loud enough that you can hear it and be like, hmm. What's that? So as they're looking up, uh, debris starts to fall. And you can see it on the on the banister of the house and in the dirt because it's, it's dirt out there on the farm. And it's just poof, poof, falling, falling, hitting the ground, hitting the dirt, hitting the banister. Um, and you're looking around and all of a sudden you see after it kind of comes to a halt, Otis Senior riding off on a horse. And OJ, Otis Junior, looks at him and asks, you know, Pops, what's going on? And Pops kind of slumps off the horse (laughs) and falls to the ground. And in that scene, you realize, oh, he got hit by something. And OJ, who's Otis Jr., so we're going to call him from now on, OJ puts his father in the car. And as he's got his father in the car, Otis Sr. is still talking. You're like, oh, he's okay. He just got hit with something, but he's okay. But as they pan around to the other side of the window, you can see from the passenger side window looking in, you can see Otis Sr., there's blood just profusely squirting out of his face. So he got hit with something right in the eye area, which, you know, is a messy, gory sight. Anytime you have a face injury and it's an eye injury as well. So they get to the hospital and Otis senior is dead. They classify that, you know, there was a freak accident with a plane up above dumping stuff or something like that. And, and, Therein lies the end of Otis Senior by a freak accident. All right. So as time goes on, the horse farm still has to make money. And they're on their next set. And here's where some of the themes really start making themselves, you know, very noticeable. The first motion picture that they're talking about there is of a black man. And they are going to get back to that in a second. But I just want to put that out there now because I think that was the most important part of this scene. Um, But they're on set with this horse. OJ's there and he doesn't like talking to people. If you've noticed, if you've seen this movie, OJ does not look up (laughs) when the cast members are talking to him like, hey, we're going to go ahead and get started. And he's looking down. He's holding the horse, but he's looking down and away from them. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, uh, just just wait a minute. His voice is very soft. It's it's non-aggressive. You know what i'm saying and he doesn't look anybody in the eye and you know these people are looking around and i'm gonna be honest it's room full of white people he's the only black guy there and he's like okay you know uh all right yeah just give me a minute and they're like hey we want to get started right now okay just just give me a minute wait for my sister to get here and they say okay we need to do a safety brief so oj starts to give a safety brief but once again he's not looking people in the eyes and he's giving them very explicit directions don't the horse. Don't come back behind the horse. You know, uh, you you just wait a minute. My sister will be here to give you. He's almost not afraid, but not willing to speak loudly or look anybody in the room in the eye. Right. Um, Emerald comes running in and she's late (laughs) and she's loud, Um, which I, I still love her character, even though she's got her own flaws. And so does OJ. But Emerald runs in. And she starts going right into the safety brief. And I mean, she's very personable. Like she has a great personality. She's like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. She breaks it down, what to do, what not to do. And then she she even starts with a really good intro, which my bad. Let me back this up and talk about the intro. That She talks about the first motion picture. The first, first motion pr- picture, excuse me, was by Edward Moybridge. And it was a set of pictures of a black man riding a horse. And she goes on to say that, you know, long before movie theaters, you know, they had skin in the game pretty much. And she described that that black man on the horse was her great, great, great grandfather. Now, here's the funny thing. When she described it, she said, it's a great, great grandfather. And Otis chimed in behind her and said, great. And she said, and another great, which kind of to me made it feel like, hey, this is your this is your claim that you're saying, but you really don't even know it yourself. Like, you don't know all the information you should know yourself, but you're, you know, pushing this. So after giving a safety brief, right, what happens? One of the cast members walk up and hold a reflection mirror, um, a stopping point or a a point that you can use to reference something in in the film, Up to the horse and the horse sees itself the horse kicks scares the crap out of the actor the actor then says oh no I'm pretty much done and they end up firing OJ but let's let's talk about this scene now that we've gone through this scene for me three things I picked out one the lady who was playing the lead actress very very just into herself too much She didn't listen to anything the safety brief said, and her assistants were standing exactly where OJ told them not to stand. Don't stand behind the horse. You can startle the horse. The horse will kick you. And that's where they stood. Now, did they get kicked? Almost. No, but almost doesn't count. Either way around. They did not listen to anything OJ had to say. And then when they asked what his name was and he said, OJ, She was like, you mean like OJ, which was a direct reference to OJ Simpson. Like, You know what I'm saying? I Honestly, I think that's one of the most uncomfortable names for people. (laughs) I don't not for me personally, but the way she looked at, you know, she looked when she heard the name OJ. It was like, it's not the same OJ that was running in the white Bronco. Right. Even though there's a little reference to that in the movie. I think it's a reference to that because OJ rode a white horse later on anyway. So. They don't really want OJ there. And I say they don't want OJ there because when they came out, they're like, hey, where's the old black guy that we liked? Oh, well, he's the senior and senior died. So now we got junior. And the guy goes, no, I think this has a lot to do with comfort, right? They were comfortable with the old black guy, but not the young black guy. Don't know why. I know, you know, a couple of friends and I were talking about this and sometimes and it is what it is. So if this conversation makes you uncomfortable, sorry, you can tune out. There you go. All right. But if you start looking that it seems that a lot of people are comfortable with the older version of black people and not necessarily the younger versions, younger black men seem to intimidate older black men and women make you feel comfortable. Hell, look at Uncle Ben on a box of rice. (laughs) Look at Aunt Jemima on a box of, you know, pancakes or syrup. It makes you think of the good old days. But you don't see that when you look at a young black guy. Even if you know the young black guy, you don't see that. Right. So that's a little what was going on here mixed with the fact that he didn't look them in the eye. Right. And I kind of wondered, like, why is he not looking up at people as a horse trainer? O.J. didn't look horses in the eye. Certain ones, if you noticed, he didn't want to intimidate and he didn't want, you know, um, to cause any stir. Right. He kept his voice very monotonal and soft and down low, not to startle. That's exactly how he treated these white people on set. And it speaks a lot to uh, black people having to go into certain areas and not be perceived as something else just because we're using our normal tone. Oh, it's a thing for those of you who aren't black and you're listening. It's a thing. We have to go somewhere and be like, hey, hey, um, I'm Will. It's nice to meet you. And you don't want to intimidate because by intimidating somebody, you could possibly be throwing yourself out of an opportunity. Right. So Otis knows that Otis smart to the game. We're not going to sit here and say, well, he shouldn't have to do that. It's what you have to do. And those of you know, know that you have to do that. All right. So th- that whole scene to me set up a lot and it told exactly how our characters are going to interact throughout the entire movie because emerald came in looked everybody in the eye was loud extra you know not playful but just full of emotion oj's not straight to the point i'm not even gonna look you in your eye i don't want to start anything yada 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 anyway horse startles the cast members and her handlers uh not the horse but the cast members handlers i'm not gonna call them assistants they're handlers and they get fired right So that's the end of that job. And now Otis is left trying to figure out where they're going to get money from. The money has to come from something. So he's selling some more horses over to this guy named Jupe at Jupe's Claim. Now, Jupe is none other than the same child that grew up on the set of Gordy's, you know, home, Ricky Jupe Park. And now he owns this old gold mine claim place, this Westworld kind of thing. and He owns it. And what has he been doing? Long story short, he's been buying these horses from OJ. He's been taking these horses every day at the same time and sacrificing the horses to this UAP. What is a UAP? It's a UFO. It's a UFO. Now he needs more horses, right? He needs more horses. And we have our horse trainers that are selling the horses to Jupe. With the idea of, okay, he needs these horses for his farm and eventually we're gonna get these back, right? But Jupe is sacrificing those horses to the UAP, the alien, whatever it is, right? So unfortunately, OJ's like, all right, we gotta go sell a horse, you know. I'm I'm gonna sell this horse and, and eventually we'll get enough money to get it back. We'll get all of our horses back. So he goes over to Jupe's claim to talk to Ricky. And he goes up into Ricky's office and he's here for business. And he tells Emerald that from jump, like, yo, we're here for business. Please don't do any side show. He called it sideshow show bullshit where you talking about what your dreams are, that you act, you sing, you dance, you do a little motorcycle stunt work that she that's what she did in the movie, you know, preview. And people kind of looked at it like, whatever. Give us the safety brief. That's it. So he goes upstairs and he goes to talk to jupe or ricky about the pathway to buying the horses back and you should see jupe's face when he's like oh yeah about that like yeah all right sure you could buy him back and he turns the tables by saying hey the offer i gave your dad is still on the table that i can buy your farm and he goes yeah, O.J.'s like, all right, cool. That's that's fine. But that's not what I'm here for. and I'm not even listening to that right now. So with all of that being said, you understand that Ricky was never going to give the horses back anyway. He wasn't giving the horses back. Right. He wanted to buy more horses because that was what he was using to pull this alien in. And that's what he was going to use the profit off of. So every day he ran this he ran this star lasso tour. He was going to need a horse. All right. So he gets a horse, one horse, and then with that one horse, he goes out there and he preps the star lasso tour. But before he even does that, he gives them quite a little speech upstairs. Gordy created a spectacle. The incident that happened at Gordy's home set created such a following, such a buzz for the beloved sitcom That it was actually more popular after it got canceled than it was on the air. Emerald, looking around, notices that, oh, you were the kid from this little kid sitcom. And Ricky was like, yes, yes. And as Emerald kept looking around and continuing to interrupt the business conversation between OJ and Ricky, she noticed that he was the child from Gordy's home. And she goes, oh, yeah, my dad told me about that, which let us know that she wasn't even around for it. But her dad passed the story down, which made her very interested to hear that. Right. So even not seeing the spectacle, OJ's senior, Otis senior. Saw it. Emerald didn't. And he told Emerald about it. And now Emerald was interested. So Ricky opens up a back door and shows them just the whole room full of gordy's home memorabilia including a shoe and i didn't talk about this in the very beginning because i can talk about it now while his cast member the, the the female was being beaten he didn't even watch her being savagely beat he could see it but he didn't watch it he watched a shoe that was sitting up like from the heel of the shoe to the toe of the shoe it was sitting up and pointing directly in the air and he watched that shoe. He was fixated on that, how that shoe was defying gravity by the toe pointing directly up in the air without anything else holding it up. Her foot was not in the shoe. The shoe was just floating off to the side on its own, so to speak, pointing straight up in the sky. And as he watched that, he wasn't paying attention to Gordy. Now, remember, we talked about OJ not looking people in the eye Certain animals become intimidated and want to, you know, flex on you because you look them in the eye. This is what I firmly believe saved Ricky's life at this time. He thought it was the relationship he had with Gordy, but it wasn't. It was the fact that he was not intimidating to the monkey because he did not look the monkey in the eye. Even when the monkey came over to the tablecloth to see him, he was not looking that monkey in the eye. He was looking down at the ground. And when after he looked down at the ground, that's when the monkey put his fist out to give him a fist bump. He wasn't challenging the monkey, even though he didn't know that. He swears Ricky swore up and down from that point in his life that it was a special animal. He, I mean, a special bond he had with the animal. It was not. You just didn't look the monkey in the eye the same way that that male co-star of yours looked the monkey in the eye and screamed out, "Gordy, no!" But here's another catch: if several monkeys play Gordy. Why are you screaming out Gordy? You don't know that monkey. That's not Gordy. So. Back to Jupiter's claim here, he opens that door and he shows them the Gordy's home, you know, memorabilia and said that, you know, here's all the stuff he kept. And he usually charges people to go in this room and he had one couple from Switzerland or Sweden or somewhere pay him $50,000 to stay in that room. And you're like, wow, people will pay for a spectacle. Even if it's something just bloody, horrible mess that is not anything that you want to remember, they will pay for it. So Jupe tells them about the incident when Emerald asks about it. And even OJ is like, come on, like, Emerald, that's not what we're here for, right? So he starts talking about Chris Catan and Saturday Night Live playing the, you know, kind of making fun of the Gordies episode. And he referred to Chris Catan as, oh, man, he was just so much energy and he was killing it. And when he said killing it, he actually flashed back to seeing his co-workers being killed on set. And he he stopped and he wasn't happy that they were killed, clearly, but he smiled. And he thought about the attention that that was getting. And it was a pretty deep scene because you realize, like, even with all that agony He's here profiting and surviving off of people's memory of something that they didn't even see. It's the spectacle of what happened that made him so popular to this day. And he was still profiting off of that. Everybody wanted to come see, you know, Ricky, who was a little boy from Gordy's home, not Ricky Park, a businessman, a mogul, anything else. They wanted to see the little boy from Gordy's home, who now had a family of his own and was pretty much pimping out his family for a reality TV show. He had three boys and a wife, and they were just getting ready to make a reality TV show. So everything he did in his personal life was public, and he wanted that. He wanted to be the spectacle and be consumed by the media again the way it was earlier in his life. We've talked about that particular scene. Let me me just talk about... At this point, that's when I started realizing that Jordan Peele was definitely... Not giving a nod to, in a sense, but referencing a lot of animal attacks. Um, Sinfried and Roy, I think uh, in the early 90s, there was a chimpanzee attack. I can't say exactly when it was, but that lady was very much so disfigured, right? Um, she ended up giving an interview, and I kind of remember seeing this, where she had to wear something over her face. And you can see that she had been missing some of her fingers and everything else, Right. And the reason why I mentioned that is because in the next scene at Jupiter's claim, when he's doing the star lasso, you, you kind of get a glimpse of his co-worker. And she was badly disfigured wearing something over her face um, right before the star lasso event. But I think during the whole time we were talking about animals during this scene, we were talking about animals being unpredictable. You know, the same thing with some of the horses being unpredictable. Um that Ricky really didn't understand things as much as you maybe thought he did at first. Like, Oh, I had a bond with the animal. You kind of realize that he didn't have a bond with the animal, that he wasn't looking the animal in the eye. And he didn't even realize that. Right. But he's still haunted by these. And then talking about the animal led scenes where all throughout the movie, if you look there, every scene that he kind of cuts to where it's a black screen and has a name, ghost Gordy, you know, Jean jacket, these are all animals within the film. Right. So I do think I'm not going to say animal rights, but it has something to do with animals being used in Hollywood is a recurring theme throughout this movie. Um And it causes our, our people to have to deal with animals in certain capacities. You know, at first you have the horses that O.J.'s dealing with in the very beginning, the horses at the movie set. The horses cause technically Hollywood horses to be fired, right? And then you have, after that, <laughs> Gordy, where you're talking about Gordy. So there's, there's a lot of things that were going on within this scene, uh, within this part of the movie with the names of the horses. We're chilling with Emerald and O.J., and you can tell that they have a good bond. Emerald is the one that's like, hey, I'm, I'm in the life of the party. O.J.'s pretty chill, but they agree to spend some time. You know, they have a little brother and sister bond thing going there, and they go into the house, and they have a drink and, you know, O.J. asked her if he brought any of that good weed pretty much. Um, but, you know, they chill out and she's in there listening to music and the power goes out. Right. And with the power going out, you know, they go outside to see what's going on. Um, Ghost, the horse that the father was riding, um, pretty much takes off, you know. Um, and then with the horse taking off, they go outside to see what's going on and. They see it. And I say OJ sees it. Um, he sees the UAP. And I mean, the UAP is just moving around like pretty good. Long story short. They sit out on that porch and they talk about bad miracles, something bad that happens that ends up being really good. And OJ's a little spooked by that UAP. But now they want to go get some stuff to record this. Right. So in trying to record it. They go to Fry's Electronics the next day where they meet Angel and Angel's buying all this stuff. Or excuse me. They're buying all this stuff and bringing it to Angel. And he tells them they can't set it up. And if they need a help, he can help them. They can monitor it. Yada, yada, yada. So they set it up. Well, Angel sets it up for him. So I just save you about 20, 30 minutes of that whole process in there. Jordan Peele does drop some little nuggets for you to let you know that Angel's on to this. Like, hey, what are y'all trying to record? And then as he comes in and he sets up the cameras, he points to he's like, oh, no, no. You know, O.J.'s like point the camera up. He was like, but you're not going to get the ground. He's like, I know. Point the camera up. So Angel pretty much puts the camera up in the sky. Right. And he's looking at O.J. kind of weird the whole time, like, oh, and he even says it. Y'all trying to capture aliens. (laughs) And of course, Emerald was like, nobody trying to capture aliens. That's not real. And he goes, "Uh huh. Okay." Sure. He's like, you know, I can monitor the feed if you want. And they were like, nope. (laughs) Actually, the funniest thing in this movie to me was Angel's interaction with uh, Emerald the entire time that they first met each other. When she was in the store, nope, I don't want nothing extra. Nope, I don't want no card. Nope, can you just ring me up, Angel? And then as he was at the house offering to, you know, monitor the feed, she was like, no, Angel, get the hell out of here. so it's it's true and it's funny because that's how I treat people in the store not to see the same way but I don't want your cards I don't want the extra stuff please just ring me up so I can go about my business and do what I gotta do I gotta go set these cameras up and that's exactly how she interacted with him so with that being said you know they, they came out to the house They they interact they set everything up you know and the setup goes pretty well and they think that they're gonna get them an alien on camera and it doesn't work It does not work at all. But Angel does notice something. He notices that that cloud in the background has not moved all day. As the clouds pass over the whole house, there's been one cloud that sits right over the top of the mountain, and it doesn't move as all the other clouds go. The most important part of this scene was the dream that OJ had. Um, Not this scene, but this just, you know, certain part of the film here. OJ had a dream that his dad was there sitting on a horse, and he said um, some animals not fit to be trained. And that's where O.J. gets the idea that they're going to break. This UAP and O.J. names him Jean Jacket, right? Because he needs to be trained, which Jean Jacket was one of the horses that Emerald was supposed to train. And she never got the chance because O.J. trained it. And Emerald was pretty mad about it. Um, so with that being said, they're going to break this ufo and they're going to teach it a lesson so they go and they steal a horse a fake horse from jupiter's claim and uh they're going to use that to bait the uap to take this horse nevertheless the baiting works jean jacket (laughs) takes the fake metal horse from jupiter's claim right and with it taking the fake metal horse from jupiter's claim you know off it goes. And there was a flag wrapped around the horse. So now the flag is hanging out of, I guess you'd say the mouth of this UFO every time. And every time it pops up, you could see the flag hanging out, right? So this UAP, as we now know it, eats organic matter, people, animals, whatever. And it spits out the non-organic matter, which is how these showers of Coins and everything out of people's pockets and metal and everything else came showering down from the sky and then inadvertently hits people, right? So we're gonna go over to Jupiter's claim now. After the horses, you know, the fake horse has been sucked up. The Star Lasso experience is here at Jupiter's Claim. And it's the first big day, it's a first public day for the Star Lasso event. And Jupe gives this whole excuse me, Ricky Jupe Park gives this whole speech about him and his family witness something and you're going to witness it today and you're going to leave here a changed person. He unveils the horse and he tells a story that every day he's been feeding a UFO and he has a bond with the aliens. That's why the aliens trust him. Now, here's what we know. No aliens. (laughs) It's just a UFO. They have never come out. He, does, he hasn't seen them. He hasn't done anything, you know, special other than feed it a horse. And this thing looks at it like, all right, here's a place where I can go to get something to eat every day. Right. So he gives a nod to his wife and his kids and his co-star, who's badly disfigured in the front row of the audience. Um, and what do we see hanging in the distance? that same flag that was wrapped around that big metal horse and it's hanging. So we know the, you know, we know the aliens there. We know the UFO or the UAP is there. It comes down and it swoops everybody up. Like, let me just cut to the chase. That alien spaceship sucked up everybody at Jupiter's claim, including Ricky. And what we see is we also saw this in the beginning of the movie and I didn't know what it was the mouth or the I don't know what it is of this alien, the whole digestive tract literally looks like the aperture lens of a camera, which I thought was dope. Like I recognize it. This looks like a sensor and the the, like the iris of a camera as it opens up there. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. This has a lot to do with photography, by the way, Um, cinema, cinematography, photography, everything. We're going to talk about this at the end. Just hang tight with me. All right. So, it swallows. It shows itself. It swallows the people up. We see the people on the inside being processed and what's the digestive tract? They're yelling. They're screaming. You know, it's not bloody or anything, but you get the sense that they're being consumed. Right. So O.J. comes there trying to get his horse back because he realized what's going on. The horse is fine. The only one that survived that whole thing was a pig on the roof, which I kind of got the notion of when pigs fly, this kind of UFO thing will happen. And pig was on the roof. So pigs must fly. That's why there's a UFO now. That's just my take on it. Um, He gets his horse and trying to get his horse. He notices that the UFO comes out and he looks up at it and he takes off and the UFO is trying to get him. He runs under the bleachers. He's, he's protected. He gets knocked out. He wakes up later, later that night. And uh, he understands, he really understands that, oh, man, this is not a UFO or UAP. This is a this is a creature. And the creature is just like other creatures where it's territorial. It wants to eat and it doesn't want to be disrespected or looked at. Right. So. He knows how to work it. He knows how to somewhat placate to the animal's instinct and he tells us the angel in Emerald. Um <laughs> that night you can still hear the people up screaming after Jupiter's claim when he comes home. Um and the spaceship comes over the house and shuts down the power and it dumps everything right over the top of the house. Now in the very beginning of the movie there is this Bible verse from Nahum chapter three verse six which I want to talk about this for a minute. I don't care if y'all think I'm a heathen or not or whatever. I have never heard of the book of Nahum until this movie. I even called a few people and be like, you ever heard of this? And they was like, no, I've never heard anything preached from from this. Or do I remember reading over this in the Bible? It is in there. It's just not something people really see a lot of or hear a lot of. And to me, I'm not going to lie to you when you because once I saw this movie, I had to go look at it. Right. That is like. The ultimate. (laughs) Mixtape in the Bible of getting revenge on somebody like when I read it, it sounded to me like God, the person who wrote this, you know, not God, but the person who wrote this, hearing this from God, um, Nam. God was really just flexing and was like, yo, let me tell you what I'm going to do to them. First of all, I'm going to come down there. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to pull your skirt up and I'm going to show the world all your private areas so you can't. I'm like, whoa. But I know y'all are like, yo, what is he talking about? That's actually what's said in there. <laughs> so in, in Naam, chapter three, verse six, he talks about pelting you with filth, um, making you vile, you know, everything else like that. The, the exact verse goes like this. I will pelt you with filth and treat you with contempt, I will make a spectacle of you. Due to the fact that I was trying to find the context of what was going on here <laughs> for the Bible verse, all right. I had to go back and read the verses before and afterwards, and I started reading the whole thing and I was like, Oh man. Yeah. This was a, uh, this was pretty bad. Now I, I digress. Let me get back to the movie. We see that at the be- beginning of this movie. And at this particular moment, when the spaceship comes over there, excuse me, the UAP, whatever, Jean Jacket, when Jean Jacket comes over the top of the house and starts raining down filth, you really realize the aspect of that verse where I'm going to pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt and I will make a spectacle out of you. That's what he did to the house. And why did he do that to the house? Because they fed him an inorganic object. They fed him a big metal horse that literally made him sick he couldn't process it so you fed him fake food you baited him and he knew that he was pissed about it because as oj was coming home from you know the star lasso experience with his horse that metal horse that he fed to Jean jacket came flying down out of the sky and almost killed him inside that car And then he moved over the top of the house and he poured down all the blood and filth and everything else from everybody he ate at jupiter's claim on top of their house that's when i realized jean jacket is a g (laughs) he straight up told him like okay y'all wanna y'all wanna fake me out you wanna fake me out and he did exactly what the verse said at the beginning of the movie i'm gonna treat you with contempt i'ma come over here i'ma mess with your house i'ma piss blood on your house I'm gonna throw down all the stuff, all of my vileness on you, and I'm gonna show you something. You want you want something to see? I'm gonna show you something. So I was like, okay, I see what you did there, Mr. Peel, with that one. It was it was pretty good. And at this point, this one antler shows up, right? And here's where the movie takes a turn. The director from the movie that was using the horses shows up, and he's there for one particular reason. He's there to get a shot Now the whole movie. If you've been paying attention to antlers as they show little clips of him, he's always watching some predator eat another animal like, you know, a crocodile eating. I mean, excuse me, a snake eating a tiger and two other animals fighting and the animal ends up eating one of the other animals. You know, he's been watching this the whole time. So. He ends up recording this UFO with a camera that is not electric because any electricity gets cut off around there. So as they set up this whole elaborate plan, which I'll, I'll spare you the details on the elaborate plan, as they set up the elaborate plan, it gets interrupted. They're trying to make their own movie, right? So Antlers is there because he wants to be famous. Let's just be honest. Emerald wants the movie to herself because she wants to be famous. OJ wants to pretty much break the uap he wants to train it like a horse but not to use it like a trained horse but just to break it Angel's just here for the thrill of capturing and here comes antlers and he wants to capture it he wants his oprah shot just like emerald told to him on the phone and as they're doing all this here comes a tmz guy recording right and as he goes to record emerald's trying to tell him don't do that. We got our own stuff going on here. We're doing a camera test. Don't do it. And the TMZ guy does it anyway. He goes taking off on his electric bike um, into an area where there's no power. He gets thrown off the bike. You can see his arms and stuff all broken up because he got thrown you know, thrown off the bike. Um, OJ comes over to help him. And in OJ helping him, he can't help him because the UAP is coming down. It consumes the TMZ guy who's literally yelling out, keep recording as he gets consumed by this. Right. Antlers gets the shot and he's like, I need more. So he goes out and he gets consumed. <laughs> it looks like Angel's going to get consumed, but he gets dumped back out. It looks like OJ's going to get consumed. And we to this point, I can tell you, I don't know if OJ made it or not. Emerald is the one who ends up capturing the shot using an old well at Jupiter's claim. And she does this by releasing the balloon that looks like Ricky from. You know, jupes claim or whatever, and Jean Jacket eats the balloon. And as he's eating the balloon, it's filled with gas. So what does it do? It blows up and it kills the UAP. Now, there's the end of the movie, right? Let me go back a little bit and let's talk about when the alien actually revealed itself. And that's what we found out. What exactly what OJ said? It's not a UFO. It's actually a creature itself. So. When Lovecraft Country came out on HBO, um, I started looking up a lot of things by HP Lovecraft, not knowing it was a completely different thing. It was tied to it, but kind of similar. This UFO very much reminds me of one of HP Lovecraft's uh, alien creatures. It, it could shift it change shape sometimes to make itself more pleasant and other times to scare the crap out of you that's what this reminded me of. I can't tell you the name because I'm not immersed in H.P. Lovecraft stuff. I just looked it up and I was like, oh, huh, when I was watching Lovecraft Country. Um, then I kind of saw this and I was like, that's what that reminds me of. But remember we talked about the alien having similar features to a camera, right? Or video camera, the processor, the lens, all that kind of stuff. This whole movie to me was this. Hollywood consumption when you end up watching so many things and gathering people's attention yes you are consumed by the masses but whatever it is you end up being consumed yourself you can never really keep up with the demand for whatever it is that you're doing you make prime example you make one video that goes viral the world expects you to keep making more content and then you fall victim to the same people that want to consume And look at and and make you a spectacle. You yourself become the spectacle and you become consumed by. Well, the alien was reverse of this. If you made the alien a spectacle, it consumed you. If you made this animal a spectacle, if you looked at it in the eyes, if you stared at it, if you made eye contact with it, it consumed you. So I I feel it it had a lot to do with maybe social media. Definitely Hollywood. Um, Understanding animals, I think, is the biggest, bigger picture here. Like. Yes, you can train animals. Some animals aren't meant to be trained and then you can't be so, you know, surprised that the animal decided not to do what you wanted it to do. So, yes, I think animals are very important. The the aspect of all these animals in Hollywood being treated a certain way and, and normally it all ends the same way. Like, look at the whales from SeaWorld. If you haven't seen the movie, uh Oh, what is it? Black whale or uh, black fish or something like that. I don't know. It's on Hulu. I'll remember this later and tell y'all it was talking about the whales at SeaWorld, the killer whales. It was absolutely amazing. And I don't mean that in a good way. It was good, but it was very informative, but it also let you know, you know, these animals weren't meant to be here. Then we saw the tigers with Sinfreed and Roy. Yeah. I love tigers. That was the tiger experience was dope. Um, but it was terrible what happened. Same thing with the chimpanzees and the monkeys that happened to the lady in the in the early 80s, uh, 90s, you know, but it always kind of ends the same way. Right. Where we shouldn't have something locked up trying to perform tricks and, and make us laugh. And we don't care about how the animal feels or what they're perceiving. Same thing here. So that's that's number one. Number two is being consumed. Hollywood consumption, you know you're giving yourself an entirety for someone else to look at something and enjoy it or whatever. And you end up giving yourself up in the whole process. You know, think about it. A lot of these artists, a lot of these, you know, music artists, they, they put themselves out there for people to see, and they end up being consumed by what it is that they wanted to do the whole time, which is become rich and famous and have a good career. And boom, that's just my take on it. And it could be varied. Um, I said this in another podcast. I was talking to somebody else. I was mentioned on another, I was featured on another podcast. So Jordan Peele likes, he likes to write his stories on a mirror, I think like metaphorically. So he writes a story on the mirror. We go in front of the mirror and reread the story, but we see a reflection of ourself in that story. I think this was definitely the case in note. Um, I watched it three, four times now. Like, all right, so first of all, I rented it, right? Or, you know, streamed it or whatever. And I had 48 hours. So I watched it a good amount of time in them 48 hours. So I picked up a few things every time I watched it. And every time I watched it, I saw further things. Like the first time, I did not see that cloud not moving. (laughs) I was looking at the other clouds because I was looking around to see where it was. And I wasn't paying to the one cloud that... I mean, paying attention, excuse me, to the one cloud that wasn't moving. And I kind of think that's funny. Like I was so busy looking for something moving and something out of the ordinary that I looked over what was extraordinary, extraordinary in that shot. What was extraordinary was there was a cloud that wasn't moving, but I was too busy looking for movement and not for wasn't move. you know, what wasn't moving. So The second time I watched it, I was like, ah, dang, it was right there the whole time. (laughs) You know, um, there's a lot of things I pick up going back through this. And this will be a movie that I'm pretty much going to buy when it comes out. Um, I have Get Out. I have Us. I'll have Note pretty soon. Um, I like it. It's a little, it's a mental workout sometimes. Sometimes you pick up certain things. Sometimes you don't. Maybe you won't pick it up until you've had some life experience later. Overall, I think this was a great movie. I said that at the beginning. I'm going to say that now. Um, I didn't want to give you the whole movie. I just want to talk about certain parts that were really, really good to me. Um, so no, this is not a synopsis or, you know, a line by line of what happened, even though I know I gave out a lot of things, just understand this, you should go see it and you should have your own interpretation of it because it's good and it's worth the view. All right. Um, so thank you guys for listening. If you want to drop a comment, Uh, You know, shoot me a message, man. We could talk about this all day. I think I want to do one on Nope. Uh, Excuse me. Not Nope. Us. Get Out doesn't need one. Like I said, it was. Get Out is very straightforward. (laughs) It really is. So definitely understand these movies are worth seeing. And I like the, the direction that Jordan Peele is going in. I think he has the same theme in all of them, which there's a little bit of, you know, social kind of, and racial, you know, themes in all of it. But there's also different themes that are the main theme. Like there's, there's sub themes and then there's a a main theme of it. And I like trying to decode it because I don't know if I'm right. (laughs) That's, that's the next thing. Like, did I get that right? Hmm. Let me watch this again. But anyway, like I said, thank you guys for rocking with me. Thank you for listening. If you got questions, comments, or if you disagree, I'm even here for that. I'm always up for a lively educated debate um, or to understand your perspective on it. All right. Hit me up. Um, at Instagram. And for those of you who have my Facebook, cause you know who I am, you know who I am. All right, cool. I'll let y'all later.